The big question is this, how do we use the seven step blueprint to help you or people you influence become more physically healthy than 98% of the people you know and in your community? That's what today's episode is all about. Let's get stuck into it straight away. Today's episode of the new science of physical health. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number 37 of The Daily Drop. Great to have you back here. What a fantastic day I've had. I knocked out. I, I did some um, two little bouts of cycling. One 15 minutes and then a rest and another 15-minute one. And using today, using the um, automated clinically validated health tracking software, I absolutely hit a new personal best. Not that I'm trying to be an athlete. I'm not. I just want to be physically healthy and get physical health adaptations. That's all I want to do. I still love sport, but I've realized at 55, my goal for me, for some people it's not the case, but for me, my goal is not competitive sport. My goal is health adaptations so that I drive down my risk of the two leading causes of sickness and death worldwide. Cardiovascular disease, number one, cancer events, number two. All right, on to today's episode. I'm going to transition in a moment to... Chapter one of this brand new mini audio book and ebook I've created called How 3,000 Steps Per Day Can Be Better Than 10,000 Steps a Day for Growing Your Physical Health Outcomes. <laughs> Five chapters, little mini chapters that will fit in here into the daily drop. So, what I'm doing is this this is like a record a little preview and then we'll, I'll do a little transition and we'll just get straight into chapter number one. Okay. I, and I go through in the first chapter what all five chapters are about. I am excited because this is a lesson I've been giving now. Actually, I'm spoiling it because I talk about this in the chapter, in the first chapter in the book. But I am really excited about this because it's like a conundrum. Like, how can this be? What, how can you do less steps than someone else and get better physical health outcomes and grow your physical health than the person doing more steps? All right, let's do this. I'm going to say sign off. Thanks for joining me today's episode of The Daily Drop. Chapter two of this mini ebook tomorrow is ready and waiting for you. But let's transition into chapter number one. It's a little bit longer today, but that's okay because I really want people to get a hold of this particular ebook and audio book called How Can 3,000 Steps Per Day Be Better Than 10,000 Steps a Day for Growing Better Physical Health Outcomes? Bye for now, everybody. See you tomorrow's Daily Drop. Don't hang up. Well, you're not hanging up, but don't sign off just yet and click end. Let's transition now to chapter one of this brand new mini audio book I've created. Bye for now, everyone. See you tomorrow. Hi, everybody. Welcome to this audio book called How 3,000 Steps Per Day is Better Than 10,000 Steps Per Day for Growing Better Physical Health Outcomes. This is a lesson that I have given. When did I start this lesson? I think I started teaching this lesson somewhere around about 2015, which means I would have given it dozens and dozens and dozens of times between then and now. The reason I came up with this lesson was because of when I read some medical research about the clinical and peer-reviewed validation of the 10,000-step rule. All of us are familiar with this concept of 
use a physical, use a smartwatch of some kind. It used to be in the early days they weren't called smartwatches before Apple came out with theirs and then everybody else. That was about 2015, but it used to be fitness trackers. If you remember those days when in the, in uh, around 2009, 2010, Fitbit started out with fitness trackers and still to this day, downloaded um, so-called health apps and there is, I think I've read somewhere there is something like out of the millions of apps you can download, so health soft, uh, software to your phone, there's about, I think, over 100,000 health uh, applications, mobile applications, Android and iPhone, that claim to be health apps. And so many of them still have as a focal point tracking your steps. So I have on purpose put together what I call a provocative title for my lesson. I've actually taught this lesson to students. So here's how this is going to work. I'm going to break this um, audiobook up into five different sections. I'm going to say three different sections. It's actually five different sections. Let me walk you through what those sections are. And here in chapter number one, I'm going to give you the first one. So here it is, the first one. There is an evidence-based medical biometric that you should be tracking instead of steps if you want to be physically healthy for a lifetime. And then in brackets, I wrote in my notes, it is not taught in almost any education institution anywhere in the world. That is that is chapter number one. Chapter number two, where did the science of tracking steps for physical health improvements actually come from? Then, still part of the same chapter, is it backed up by peer-reviewed medical research? Chapter three, how physical health adaptations happen inside your body as a result of the correct dose of physical activity? By the way, that's chapter three. The answer to that question or the, the, uh, that chapter, what's inside that chapter when you get to it is the reason I can give you the title how 3,000 steps per day is better than 10,000 steps a day for growing better physical health outcomes. Chapter number four, how modern health technology should be used in order to make sure that you drive down your risk from the number one cause of sickness and death worldwide. That's chapter number four. Then the last chapter, this, this is the one where we just tie it all together. Here is the exact formula on how to use 3,000 steps and obtain far more health adaptation than the millions and millions of people around the world who are trying to hit 10,000 steps per day. I can't wait to give you that formula and you get to that particular chapter because it will really tie together this whole core lesson inside this audiobook from my work on the new science of physical health and what I consider to be a real health secret behind what many people are being taught that simply isn't true. One of the um, notes, notes that I have here is how many people have been fooled by technology companies who sell health tracking devices to follow their number of steps per day, telling you it is key to improving your physical health? And I've gotten bold capital letters. It is not. So then what is? All right, let's do this. Let's now get into chapter one of this audio book and today's episode where, and I'll just refresh you what I said a few moments ago. 
There is an evidence-based medical biometric that you should be tracking instead of steps if you want to be physically healthy for a lifetime. It is not taught in almost every education institution in the world. Let me start at this point and how I came to become aware of this and give you the peer-reviewed medical research behind it. Professor Stephen N. Blair from the Arnold School of Public Health, he is a PhD in exercise physiology. Now, Professor Blair is retired now, but in 2009, he published a medical paper that was peer-reviewed and got published in the British Journal of Sports Medicine. And the title of that particular paper was a brilliant one. The greatest, sorry, the biggest public health problem of the 21st century. If I give you that title now, what do you think it is? Do you think it is people aren't doing enough steps? Should they be doing, even recently I've heard it should be, shouldn't be 10,000 if we want to be healthy anymore. It should be 15,000. Should be 20,000, some people say. I'm here to argue and put the premise to you that the steps are irrelevant, completely irrelevant, and you can quite often, very regularly, only hit 3,000 steps a day and be physically health, more physically healthy than these people, millions around the world, who have been taught to track their steps and hit the 10,000 mark or the 15,000 mark or the 20,000 mark. If you're one of those people, then I'm about to reveal something to you that will revolutionize the way that you think. So Professor Blair publishes this paper. The study was so monumental that it was on 53,000 different people across a 15-year span. A decade and a half, Professor Blair conducted this study and brought people into his lab. 53,000 people. One of the biggest studies I've ever heard of. I've, I've watched a lecture of Professor Blair's. Amazing. Just incredible depth. But let me give you the synopsis of that study. What Professor Blair said was, out of these six things, high blood cholesterol, smoking, obesity, something called active heart fitness score, high blood pressure, and high blood sugar, those six things, there is one factor that he proved after 15 years in the lab and 15, uh, not 15, but 53,000 people studied. He collated all the data from that, giving those people a specific test and looking at specific what we call anthropometrics, which is specific physical things about them, about their um, obesity levels, about their blood pressure levels, about their blood glucose levels, about their um, uh, blood pressure levels, and I said, there's one I missed just there. I can't remember off the top of my head. So, and their smoking levels as well. So, he boiled it down to what was the one medical health biometric that had more influence over the leading cause of sickness and death than any of the, out of those six, which are the main predominant ones that can cause you to be at risk from the number one cause of sickness and death, which, by the way, if this happens to be the first episode you've ever tuned into, if it's not, I'm sorry for repeating it, but for many people, this is their first episode, and that is cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of sickness and death worldwide. 18 million people will pass away from a cardiovascular event, but a total of 36 people, 36 million people across the globe will have a cardiovascular event and half of them will survive, the other 18 million. 
But the bulk of those 36 million don't need to have it. The challenge is that they've never come across the work of Professor Blair, where he stated that out of he gave what is called in science, and I've got to say this word correctly, an attributable, see, I didn't say correctly, an attributable fraction of percentage influence. So, for example, what percentage influence does obesity have over your risk profile for cardiovascular disease? By far and away, the leading cause of sickness and death, the number two in the world is a cancer event. 8.2 million people will pass away from a cancer event. Another 8.2 million people will have a cancer event. So about 16.5 million worldwide. So, and that's just as hard. In fact, it's insidious. Cancer can be, my mother passed away of a cancer event. She got diagnosed with cancer. Seven days later, she passed away. Obesity has an influence over cancer. It has an influence over cardiovascular disease. So too does high blood sugar. So too does high blood pressure. That's a nasty one, by the way. So too does smoking. So too does high uh, blood cholesterol. Those things all have an influence on active heart fitness score. The, quick, the thing that Professor Blair found out at the end of his medical research of a decade and a half and 53,000 people is that there is one medical biometric which is more influential than all the others. Blood pressure ranked second and active heart fitness score ranked number one. But here's the most, and blood pressure and active heart fitness score, by the way, were miles ahead of anything else. So if you have high blood pressure, puts you in a massive risk profile of developing a cardiovascular event. Could be heart attack and stroke, but is also other things, which I won't go into in this episode. Then active heart fitness score was even higher than blood pressure. So those two combined totally smashed those other four areas that we traditionally think have an influence over our risk profile of cardiovascular disease. Particularly things like obesity and high blood sugar are getting all the um, media attention. Lots of articles on them, lots of celebrity trainers talking about them. But that's not what the science says. Professor Blair has proved now there's backup on this, and I'll talk about this in just a moment, meaning there's backup another massive study, even bigger, than Professor Blair's that found to prove the same thing. So active heart fitness score is the medical biometric. And here's the fascinating thing that I understood was when you improve your active heart fitness score, you have every time you are doing the correct dose of physical activity, which you can track, by the way, with the clinically validated health software that we have whenever you get any of our tools. We give that as a give that away as a part of what we do with the new science of physical health. But when you have the correct dose of physical activity and you need to track that because you can't guess it because guessing it means you most likely are missing the mark. I had a, a, a colleague of mine the other day who is not involved in the health and physical education world but is a teacher. He said to me that he's now found out that walking long distances is not very useful for obtaining the correct dose of physical activity. Not not that it's not good for you, but it doesn't achieve a lot in obtaining the correct dose of physical activity. More about that later on. So what um, happens every time you get the correct dose of physical activity 
is into your blood vessels releases a transmitter, neurotransmitter called nitric oxide, like a, a chemical, I guess. But it's natural. It's in your body. It's called nitric oxide. This is the purpose of it. It increases the elasticity of the skin on the inside of your arteries called endothelial tissue. Here is the brilliant thing about this. Think about this. Active heart fitness score and high blood pressure are by far and away the biggest public health problem of the 21st century. Professor Blair goes deep into, in that paper, why active heart fitness score is number one and and why that is the case. But look at the link here. If you increase the elasticity of your arteries, and I confirmed this with a a cardiologist from um, uh, Michigan in the United States, Dr. Barry A. Franklin, who's a research cardiologist and a practicing cardiologist, cardiologist, he told me exactly in an interview I did with him that increasing the elasticity of your arteries by getting the correct dose of physical activity, but you have to track that, otherwise you're just guessing, will drive down your blood pressure. So it's like a, it's like two for the price of one. The thing that you must, the bi- medical biometric you must work on first of all is active heart fitness score. But it's a tripwire because of the release of nitric oxide into the lining of your artery every time you get the correct dose of physical activity. That causes increase in elasticity. If you have more elastic arteries, your blood pressure falls. That's the very definition of that health adaptation. So, here is the most interesting thing. If a person does 10,000 steps a day, and I will finish today's episode just here, but I'll whet your appetite for tomorrow's chapter, tomorrow's episode, tomorrow's chapter, okay, of this audio book. And here's what I want to say. If a person does 10,000 steps a day, but it's not at the correct intensity levels, Meaning, it's not your work walking very easily and very uh, relaxed, and you're not, here's the key, you're not raising your heart rate enough to get nitric oxide released into your blood vessels at a sufficient enough level for there to be an increase in elasticity, then you won't get a health adaptation. So here's a little summary but we'll dive deeper into it over the next four chapters of this audio book. Here's a little summary. There are plenty of people, I'm one included, who could accomplish 3,000 steps a day really comfortably, but in those 3,000 steps, I might be walking up hills. I might do short physical activity, walking up steep hills. I might do um, stair climbs. When I say stair climbs, Go to the local park, which is around the corner from me. You might have one near you. And I simply walk up the stairs, walk back down the stairs, walk back up up the stairs, walk back down the stairs. End up doing, and combined with my normal whatever I'm doing for my job during the day, but I have a dedicated time of stair walking, and I'll hit maybe in that stair walking, I'll do a 1,000 steps. But because... I'm increasing the physical load required to get oxygen to my muscle by going upstairs. You get puffed out more easily. That's an easy way to summarize it. If you're like me and you've got a background in health and, and physical education, you'll know that there is an increase of what we call oxygen demand into your muscles when you walk uphill because of the resistance of walking upwards and putting more load on your body, which is a good thing. 
when you're being physically active. But during exercise, if I'm doing 3,000 steps, but my heart rate is going higher than the person doing 10,000 steps, then I'm getting improvements in health adaptations, primarily the increase in elasticity. That's one of them. There's many of these health adaptations, by the way, which we'll talk about later in this audio book. But what happens is you'll get an increase in health adaptations for doing the 3,000 steps, but going up steps right, as in a planned session. So I'll break it down. I might do 2,000 steps walking around doing my normal job, just like you. I might do what? One and a half thousand steps. I might do 3,000 steps. But say I did 2,000 steps in my normal job, and I did a planned physical activity session that lasted 15 minutes where I did 1,000 steps, walking up, walking down, walking up, just go to the local park, walking up, walking down, walking up, walking down. I could have done 3,000 steps, got more nitric oxide into my blood vessels than the person who did 10,000 steps during the day or the person who did 15,000 steps in the day because my only objective was to work on what Professor Blair did. And he said, if you work on your active heart fitness score above and beyond everything else, everything else, you'll drive down your risk faster of the number one cause of sickness and death, cardiovascular disease. That's what's not taught anywhere that I know other than here and in some areas of health sciences. But it's not widely widely taught at all as a part of education institutions around the world. Not just where I am, but around the world. So following on from Professor Blair's work in 2009, his culmination of his life, I guess, his, his, um, his premier piece of medical research, in 2016, the American Heart Association published something called a scientific statement on the same topic as Professor Blair, active heart fitness scores. There's a medical name for it, which is different. And if you're the kind of person who likes research papers and you want the evidence, email me and I'll send it to you. Um, but this scientific statement from the American Heart Association was bigger than Professor Blair's, way bigger. It was on the study that they did. There was something like, and I've spoken with several of the professors from this research paper. And there was, I think, something like 46 medical doctors and four medical boards that produced this, I can't remember the number, but it's like 30 or 40 page scientific statement, which I devoured because I love those things. But particularly because it stated that out of the six things we mentioned before, high blood glucose, high blood cholesterol, high blood sugar, smoking, obesity, and inactive heart fitness score, it came up with the same conclusion. I think it was like a 200,000-person study, including some of the data from Professor Blair's work, but other data that said, and this is the premise of the paper published by the American Heart Association, they made recommendations to doctors all over America that you should test for active heart fitness score on your patients in the same way that you test for high blood pressure, high blood cholesterol, high blood sugar, smoking, obesity, and so on. And in fact, the paper says that we now know that this medical biometric is more influential than those other factors. So, so improve that first, and you'll get the result you want of improving your risk profile for cardiovascular disease on the other areas, like high cholesterol. your high cholesterol becomes better. I won't go into that right now into detail, but I do that in some of my courses, for example, on how that actually happens. So the brilliant thing 
about this lesson that I'm this lesson I'm giving in this chapter here is there are so many people chasing 10,000 steps a day thinking I'm doing a good job on my on improving my physical health outcomes. Great for social health, great for emotional mental well-being. No question about that. But I'll put this to you. Despite me having I've talked about this in some of my online courses and in my book. Despite me having had um, mental health problems at one stage about, when was that, half a decade ago now, some severe anxiety and severe depression, and I, it was terrible. It was like as bad as you could possibly get. Despite me having those and now having recovered, that less people die from mental health issues, although that does not downplay people who have uh, taken their lives as a result of mental health issues and having gone through anxiety and depression, I now know the weight and the burden on human beings and their entire physical body as a result of that. But even though I've experienced that and even though I still hold that in high esteem, the thing that people are more like, we know, for, we know this for a fact, that what will happen to people is that they're going to be passing away or getting sick from, permanently sick sometimes, from a cardiovascular event before anything else. So why would we do 10,000 steps a day that doesn't give us the physical health adaptations that you can get from 3,000 steps a day? Now, does that mean you should push yourself as hard during 10,000 steps as the person who's doing 3,000 steps, and if both people got their heart rate up to the same percentage maximum, they would both have, they would, you get a great result? The answer is yes. But that's not what happens with people. I've, I've been doing this a long time now, 32 years. The people going for 10,000 steps a day, they're not doing 10,000 steps where their heart rate is going up. Virtually no one does that. The reality is, if you're going for 10,000 steps a day, You've been tackling the wrong thing. All right, I want to finish this chapter right here. You'll be able to click on the link to get to the next chapter. Where did the science of tracking... This is chapter two for tomorrow. Where did the science of tracking steps for physical health come from? Is it backed up by peer-reviewed medical research? All right, that's what we're looking forward to tomorrow's chapter. Thank you for joining me here today. I'm so excited to share this lesson, and I really can't wait to share chapter five with you the exact formula on how to use 3,000 steps and obtain far more health adaptations than the millions and millions of people who are trying to hit 10,000 steps per day. Bye, everybody. Can't wait to give you the next one tomorrow. See you later. Bye.